You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, and in case we don't see you, good afternoon and good night here on the SB Nation NFL Show, specifically on Monday, Football Monday. My name is RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's Blog and the Boys, where we cover the land of penalties, a.k.a. America's team. This is Monday, Football Monday. This is the SB Nation NFL Show. And a reminder before we get started that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As mentioned, my name is RJ Ochoa. This is Monday Football Monday, the show that gets your week started here on the SB Nation NFL show. We have a number of different ways, number of different platforms that you can utilize to listen to, watch, consume our show however you want, except for intravenously. You can listen to us, of course, wherever you get your podcasts on the SB Nation NFL show. Look for us, subscribe, leave a rating, and write a review. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel, on the SB Nation NFL NFL Twitter page and the SB Nation NFL Facebook page. If you cannot tell, it is very difficult to say SB Nation NFL show that many times um, that close together, but I successfully landed it. So a shout out to me, a shout out to Rachel Prevet from SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation, always on the ones and twos here on Monday Football Monday, and a special shout out to our early contender for the MF Double MVP from SB Nation's Niners Nation, more specifically uh, from any backyard making a chili dip that you may or may not like. He co-wrote Backstreet boys as long as you love me it is the one and only rob stats guerrera you can follow him on twitter or instagram at stats on fire stats in fuego happy monday to you my friend i don't care who you are i don't care where you're from i don't care what you did rj as long as you love me uh, as I don't think anyone believe will believe that that was not planned. Um, <laughs> well done, Sets. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, Pete Tweeney may or may not be a, a part of Monday Football Monday. Where are you, Pete? I'm starting to forget uh, what he looks like. Um, if he's real, maybe I concocted Pete um, sort of as a figment of my imagination over the last two years or so. Uh, Stats and I were actually the last people who you heard here on the SB Nation NFL show on the look ahead. And, and what we do, Stats, on the look ahead, well, first of all, you get to sit in the host chair. And so what I do on Mondays, I come in, I disinfect it. Oh, get the germs off. You know, get get it all nice and clean and, and, and ready to, to have a good time. The chair is bored on Friday, if I'm being quite frank with you. So now let's, let's, let's jazz it up. Let's have some fun let's spin that wheel um you know let's let's go up to golden hut uh like in bamboozled in that episode of friends that joey uh ross and chandler play but um you know 
it's time to look back. This isn't a look back, but, you know, we have a week of games. We have a whole set of preseason games that happened this past week. And normally on Monday Football Monday, we react to what happened. We don't have to go through every game. That would be a little bit silly um, here uh, after the first official week of the preseason. But we can pick and choose. We can cherry pick the things that we liked or did not like, which is exactly what we are going to do here today. Winners and losers from the first week of the preseason. Stats, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I actually think you do want me to go first. No, I would like to go first because I'd just like to talk on this show, if that's all right with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Do you, uh, no order. So if you want to have a winner or a loser, just go. Whatever is on your heart, speak it, Stats. Speak your truth. All right, let's start with Chicago because I actually feel like there's two losers Ooh. from that game. The first... I don't know if I should blame the Bears or the NFL. The state of Soldier Field was laughable, laughable this weekend. People were tweeting out pictures and, you know, the NFL comes, they rush in and they come, well, we passed the minimum standard requirement. Like, great. Okay. Then change the requirements. It's awful. And if you're the Bears, you have Justin Fields playing on, like Justin Fields has no help, right? He was the other loser and through no fault of his own. The field is garbage, and his offensive line is garbage. The poor guy is running for his life. I don't know how you can invest in a quarterback the way the Bears have and then do absolutely nothing to help him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Just look at the difference between the 49ers and Trey Lance and the Bears and Justin Fields. Trey Lance has like every opportunity, every luxury you could possibly want as a young quarterback. Justin Fields has nothing. He's just there. They're like, okay, Justin, good luck. Hope you're good. The poor guy's got no help in Chicago. Um, I think this is a very fair. So, like, who specifically is your loser? The <laughs> Bears organization. A wide... I guess. Okay. Um, I always think it's funny uh, in situations like this when the NFL or whoever, like whatever power it be, is like, well, it passed the minimum test. You're a multi-billion-dollar <laughs> right. company. Like, why is the, why is the, why is the minimum uh, like what we're aiming for? And it's not even like you know, um, like it was a Thursday game following a, a game they hosted on a Sunday, right? Where you're like, well, you know, we, it was quick turnaround, whatever this and that. Um, and it's like this was literally like the first game, like the, like the, the first football game that took place at the venue. So how is the minimum suddenly like the, the quality that's involved? Also, what I saw stats, you can tell me, uh, maybe this is outside of your uh, particular musical taste, but uh, an Elton John concert had had to do with yeah. impacting the field. Um, I saw there was a lot of great like, oh, I bet there was some tiny dancers on the field that like, you know, messed up that, like that. The low hanging fruit was there. You know, but um, <laughs> but you would think we, we learned that lesson from the Pro Football Hall of Fame game a few years ago. The, the Colts Packers game that had to be completely canceled because uh, of everything that, that tarnished that, you know, turf ahead of that game. Why do we do this? Like, why? Why is I mean, if I have Elton John come sing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, uh, quite the artist, you know, Elton is. But I mean, don't schedule it this close to a game to where this is going to be an issue. And it's not like Soldier Field has not had terrible reviews yes. when it comes to the quality of the turf before, which it's like Soldier Field and FedEx Field. It's like, you know, if you're if you're playing football on there, it may not go well. And, you know, I saw Brad Biggs, who covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune, was tweeting out that the field will be 100% resodded uh, before the September 11th opener. That had been the plan all along. He said, you can't just go to the sod store and replace your field without pre-planning. Like, well, whatever the planning process is, Brad, it's got to be better. Like, it has to be 
better. And and don't give me this. Well, it was better than it looked. It looked pathetic. Okay. It looked like a high school field. This is the NFL. Like you said, RJ, it's a billion dollar business. Get the freaking field right. Um, okay. I feel bad for Justin Fields and I feel bad. I was, I so greatly legitimately enjoyed this game, um, from the standpoint of I'm a big Matt Eberflus fan, um, as, as has been well documented here on the SB Nation NFL show. So this was his first, you know, opportunity. It was a preseason game, but still like first chance to run out the tunnel, shake the hands, take pictures and selfies with the family, things like that. And so for this, for it to have this, like this dumb of a like overcast layer, uh, it's just unfortunate. You know what I mean? Like this is a really avoidable problem. Sometimes you have bad luck and things that follow you. Uh, this, this, this shouldn't be one of them, but good start stats. Good starts coming out with some passion. Um, 10 out of 10 so far, your performance. I'm not awarding the MF double MVP, but, um, you know, just so everybody knows everybody, uh, you know, who's keeping score at home. Oh, we have an MF double MVP thing to settle, uh, when we get to that point, but we'll, we'll get there later. Uh, my first one stats, are you ready? You went negative. I'll, um, I'll be the yang to your yin. Um, I'll go positive. You actually mentioned my first winner and it is San Francisco 49ers QB one Trey Lance. That's right, baby. Trey threw. I, I know you have the stat off the top of your head. How? What was? How far did his pass travel in the air? The touchdown pass. I believe it was thirty-four it was yards. Thirty-four yards. Yeah. Okay, and that was. I think Jimmy Garoppolo had like one pass that traveled that far over the last two years, something like that. Like I, I don't want to butcher the stat, but it was something to that effect. And it, it was literally the first like taste of freedom. <laughs> I have to imagine you were literally Andy Dufresne in the rain, just experiencing life anew as a 49ers fan. He finished four or five for 92 yards with the touchdown. Um, like I don't care about that specifically. I think he looked like, I think this was everything you wanted to see. I mean, you, you cannot feel great about Trey Lance until you get to the, the actual regular season. You obviously have the trust within Kyle Shanahan. Granted, he's the person who has overseen the Jimmy Garoppolo disaster. So you kind of remove some trust from that perspective. But this was awesome. This was a huge first step. This was maybe Trey Lance retaking the throne or maybe taking it for the first time of being the best quarterback drafted in 2021. Like Andy Dufresne, I have crawled through a river of crap and come out clean on the other side. It was so just, it was like exhaling to see that deep pass, especially because it went to another, I went to a rookie in Danny Gray, which was nice to see too, because the whole point of getting Danny Gray on the team is he's really fast and we're hoping that we can hit him on some deep plays. So that was nice to see, but it was just so much fun. When Trey Lance drops back, I don't think, oh, no, something bad's about to happen. I think, oh, oh no, something good's about to happen. And the other encouraging thing that I saw from Lance, one of the first plays of the game, he drops back to throw. He doesn't see it at the top of his drop. He steps up in the pocket, which is great. He didn't roll out. He moved up in the pocket, and then he reset his feet like he was going to throw again downfield, didn't see it, and then he took off, and he ran like seven yards, and he slid. So basically he went check, check, check on every play, every aspect of that play. And it was really nice to see that he wasn't just one read. It's not there. I'm taking off and running. He really went through everything and exhausted all possibilities before he ran. I think that's a good sign. I think that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants. And the fact that he slid and didn't take a hit was just a relief. I think it showed a lot of growth from year one to year two. I know we haven't um, done any sort of like divisional picks or thing. They're like playoff picks. And we'll definitely do that on the look ahead as we get closer to the regular season. We have a big 
look ahead announcement coming soon. I don't want to spoil it. We've been kind of, you know, tiny dancing around that subject <laughs> as well. Uh, but, um, you know, so we'll, we'll reach a point where we do kind of like our, our picks for things like that. And I have to reevaluate what the way I think about the 49ers. And I, mm. like, I know that I don't, well, I don't think it's fair to be like, this has been there all along because it hasn't. Like, I, I think this is, this was a bit of an unveiling. And I have to imagine as exhilarating and liberating as this was as a 49ers fan, it was probably also equally frustrating because it was probably like this dude's first like not first, you know, taste of action because obviously he played sparingly last year. But it's like he clearly has the the like tools and components necessary to be a functional franchise quarterback in the NFL. And which is what you and I talked about last week on the look ahead. Like it kind of feels like the Niners just burned last year. Like, you know, it was a successful season. You lose the NFC title game, whatever, but at what cost, like at the cost of time, at the cost of a year of development uh, of Trey Lance, a year of his rookie contract. And so it's frustrating to feel like you could be a year past this moment, which was already exciting in and of itself when it comes to Trey Lance. So uh, it's kind of like a 99% winner with a 1% loser base in um you know what i mean so just just kind of is what it is um i also forgot to say stats in my super awesome introduction where i apparently spoke too much that uh dallas cowboys quarterback Dak prescott is on this episode of monday football monday how could i forget i was the one who did that interview uh so in a little bit we'll throw to that uh and you can hear my conversation with him you can also hear it over on blog of the boys properties uh but stats you're up next we have one loser one winner um again you know we'll see who wins mfw mvp but i've been really positive you've been kind of eeyore about this whole thing yeah i'm gonna stick in negative town since you talked about my team rj i gotta talk about your team and i know Let's go. You, i know you were upset about this because you were tweeting about it over the weekend the dallas cowboys can you run a play without getting a penalty? 17 penalties in the game for 129 yards. And look, one game, you know, you might think whatever, there's you people that aren't going to be on the actual team playing this, that, and the other thing. Here's the problem. Two problems, actually. One, the most penalized team in the league last year, the Dallas Cowboys. And two, after the game, You've got Mike McCarthy standing up there, who I continue to tell you is a potato and you don't want to believe me. He's standing up there just hand-waving it away. No big deal. Don't worry about it. You guys are talking. You're making something out of nothing. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And clearly, Mike McCarthy's allowing it to happen, RJ. So, um... I'm not going to cape for the Cowboys here in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I'm frustrated. I'm not, not even frustrated. I'm amazed. I'm almost happy for Mike McCarthy because I think I think criticisms of him go too far for the sake of the joke, like calling him a potato. I don't think that's fair. I think he has objective and legitimate flaws that really hurt the team, that that really hurt the Green Bay Packers, that were ultimately a part of his demise. But he it, like to call him a potato or the way some people speak about him ignores legitimate and objective pros that that he does have as an nfl head like coach. what people i mean he he truly has changed the culture you know within the cowboys they're not the you know or at least his tribe and he is he's, <laughs> he's swimming upstream in that sense like you and you've got to give him that like he's swimming upstream against a culture of jerry jones and what he is as sort of built as far as being this country club and not being a real team and things like that and again you know i've made this point a million different times from a roster standpoint the cowboys have so many holes like this looks like a team who's just now hitting free agency or, or hitting the offseason <laughs> I mean like it, it truly is that way I mean and he's under a lot of pressure his his owner his boss publicly you know dangled his job security yes. in the name of keeping somebody else around him employed a subordinate of his employed and so again it's not a difficult boat he's in but you're right like there are things he does that 
seemingly don't make sense. And then he makes them worse when he speaks, which is definitely a legitimate and fair criticism of Mike McCarthy. So to set the stage, you're right. Cowboys most penalized team in the NFL last year. But unlike past seasons where the Cowboys would have issues in that department, not that they had them to that degree. And I've talked about this. I don't think, you know, I've, I've caped for this in any way, shape or form. They whined. They complained. Not just Mike McCarthy, but Dak Prescott at the end of the year, you know, had his comment that he got fined about as far as fans throwing things at ref. Demarcus Lawrence, CeeDee Lamb, team leaders moaning and groaning publicly after they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals lost five of their final six games. The only team they beat was the Cowboys. And the Cowboys came out after that loss and said, yeah, you know, we were playing more than the Cardinals today. Like, losers. This is loser mentality for you to be out here whining and moaning and groaning. And so that was a big thing uh, that, that we sort of you know we're concerned about coming into the season from a Cowboys perspective and here and it's the preseason you're right you know there's a lot of dudes who aren't going to be on this team but in your very very first they had 14 penalties when they lost to your 49ers stats in the playoffs they come out they have 17 here and that's only 17 accepted penalties there were multiple (laughs) plays where where they were called for a penalty that featured multiple penalties so and and then at the very end of the game the Broncos declined a penalty uh, in the name of, of kind of advancing the game so I mean this could have very easily if you approximated been some Somewhere around 20. Now you can, this is, this is where a lot of Cowboys fans fall like, oh, well, Tyler Smith really wasn't holding. Oh, well, that really wasn't rough in the past. Like there's these ticky tack penalties. Fine. You want to throw those out the window? I don't think that's totally fair, but you know, I'll give you that because it's the preseason. Okay. It's preseason for the referees too. Cowboys. I mean, there was a taunting penalty on Dante Fowler. One of their big free agents, and I'm air quoting for the podcast. I'm so their big free agent signings has a taunting penalty that helps Denver ultimately score points. Kelvin Joseph, a second-year, second-round pick who, I mean, you can make an argument whether or not he should even be playing on the field because of off-the-field situations this past offseason. I mean, he's had one of the worst camps of anybody on the team so far. He has an offside penalty on a Brandon McManus field goal attempt that he missed. And, and that was near the end of the first half. McManus misses the field goal. He gets another chance, and he makes it. I mean, he literally gives them three points. I mean, so they had, you know, multiple boneheaded plays like that, that that are not a symptom of the preseason or ticky-tackness or whatever. And my big problem with the way Mike McCarthy addressed it, I don't have an issue. I know you do, but with him saying this is not a big deal, this isn't related to last year, I disagree with it. But what else is he supposed to say? Like, I hate that response. You know what I mean? But but what else is he supposed to say? I'll fix it. This is unacceptable. We need to get this right. Don't just act like there's no problem. He's whistling past the graveyard. I would prefer that. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm not going to fault him for that. So those are different things. But what I will fault him for, and I thought you were going to mention it and you didn't, and I did a TikTok uh, and Instagram reel about this. No big deal. I'm super hip and cool. Um, buried in that, you know, like spiel of his that wasn't really kind of like touched on um, by by the big national audiences is he he said, you know, you guys can write whatever you want. And it was like, whoa, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, you, know, you guys can write whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, like, we're, we're not making this up. You know what I mean? Like, that that was the line. Like, he was like, you know, this isn't related to last year, but, you know, you guys are going to write whatever you want. And it was said with this smugness and this arrogance. Like, you know, I, I know you guys really just want to pretend like we have this huge penalty problem. So go ahead, go off with your keyboards. And like, no, dude, you're the, you're, it's what? your fault. Like, like, if you showed some accountability, I would come on here on Monday football Monday I would defend you in an objective sense to stats but I can't I can't if you're dismissing it and if you're acting like not only is this not real but it's the media's fault for conjuring up this conspiracy theory that you have way more penalties than you should but RJ that's my point I don't know why you continually defend this guy what does he do he doesn't coach the offense 
He doesn't come up with a defensive game plan. He doesn't, he can't clearly handle the media. He doesn't manage the team in any way, obviously, because they're still getting penalties left, right, and center. What would you say Mike McCarthy does? Because even you just admitted he hasn't changed the culture. So what are the I mean, positives that he is bringing? I think at first, the, the argument was he oversaw the machine. He was just kind of the, not the general manager, but like the general manager. And that that is tough in, in this organization. And I think, you know, people like to, to think, and I, I don't mean to poo-poo your team, but people like to think that other teams are on par with the Cowboys as far as like expectations or pressure. Like if we have, if we learn anything from the Mike McCarthy experience in Dallas, it's that it's not the same. You could be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, one of the most storied, most iconic, most visible teams in the NFL, and that is a, a tadpole of a situation compared to the big frog that is the Cowboys. Because we're learning that this is the way Mike McCarthy spoke for a long time, and I'm not saying that like nobody thought these things about him before, but this it's all the more magnified here because of the stage. And so like that is an interesting just kind of social result of his of his tenure as the Cowboys head coach but so I think early on and I think it's fair to to not dismiss 2020 but to say Dak was hurt right like that that was a difficult situation you know you have to give him some benefit of the doubt for that but last season I think he was overseeing things he was managing all the personalities managing you know Jerry Jones and you can certainly make an argument that that shouldn't be a factor on a functional NFL team but it is and so I mean he he managed that moderately well that was the only answer I could give you. Now, I mean, now, like now it's tough. I mean, I, I kind of respect that Mike McCarthy is at least standing up for what he believes in. Um, but what you're believing in is kind of silly at this point in time. Again, especially, you know, kind of now blaming the media, pointing fingers here. Before it was the referees. The referees were out to get Mike McCarthy's team. Now it's the media. When is it your fault, Mike? When are you the one who's improperly teaching things? When are you the one who's, who's not executing things at the level they're supposed to be executed at? There's no accountability from this team. And I'm with you in that that stems from his disposition as a whole he lied to jerry jones to get the job remember he admitted in his introductory press conference that he lied to get the job i thought that was overblown but i mean i can't defend it but go on i just they led the league in penalties last year the first chance we get to see him on the field what do they do they lead the the week in penalties they had more penalties than any other team again 17 accepted penalties for 129 yards he so clearly it's been a problem he hasn't fixed it i just don't know what he brings, when you're saying we're going to hire Mike McCarthy as our head coach, what are you getting, right? You hire Kyle Shanahan, great offensive play caller. Sean McVay, great play caller. Sean McDermott, great defensive coach. Matt, what are Matt you... Eberflus, who we just talked right. about, great defensive mind, right? So, like, it, so I'm, what I, are you I, I want to see Mike McCarthy take control of the offense for what it's worth. Because to your point, sorry, I didn't, sorry to interrupt you, what I do not want is this season to go poorly for whatever reason. And then for Mike to be able to sit here and say, you know, I've never really had a chance. I, I never really got a chance to run my offense in Dallas. Yep. No. And like, I, I, like, I don't know who's still defending Kellen Moore. Like, I don't, I'm not saying like his career is over. Like, you know, we've seen all of Kellen Moore, but right now there's not a lot to love. So, you know what, Mike, like, Again, like I would, res I, I would somewhat disagree with it, but I would at least respect if he said, "You know what? I'm Frank Sinatraing this thing. Like, if I'm going down, I'm doing it my way. Like, this might be my last chance to be an NFL right. head coach. I, I want to be able to sleep at night in the future, saying I did it the way I wanted to do, and it wasn't good enough. I can live with that, but at least I did it my way. I agree. Like, you don't want to ever go up and like, well, I never really took control, and I should have. That's that's worse. If you fail, okay, but if you never like try. That's even worse. So I look, I just, you know, my stance on this, RJ, I think he's, he's just playing out the string. 
He's going to get fired after the year. They're going to bring in Sean Payton because that's what Jerry Jones has always wanted to do. And so I just think that they should have just got rid of him after last year. I mean, even the way last season ended, my God, they, they, they can't get the playoff because they don't know that you can't spot the ball yourself. You have to hand the ball to the referee. And then they blamed the official. Right. And they blamed. And what did they say? <laughs> we practice that play all the time, which means Mike McCarthy was coaching it wrong again. Right. Like, I, I don't know how you defend this guy, but anyway, I put the Cowboys in the loser category. Um, right before we started this morning, uh, ESPN's Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys, wrote something, and the, the tweet that went out with his story was Dallas Cowboys banking on Dak Prescott to elevate inexperienced receivers. Good thing they don't have a lot of salary cap space at the at the whim to be able to go sign whoever they want. Good th- good thing they didn't have an established veteran receiver <laughs> on the team who they traded away for nothing this offseason. Good. Th- this was the only course of action to bank on Dak Prescott. But to be frank, stats, uh, that's what you and I are doing here on this episode of Monday Football Monday. We're banking on Dak Prescott for content. Uh, Dak joined us on behalf of DirecTV. Uh, great commercial he's in uh, ahead of this season. Obviously, DirecTV, the home of the Sunday ticket. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to it. Here is Dak Prescott on the SB Nation NFL show. Pleased to be joined now by the one and only. You know him. You love him. You root for him every Sunday, sometimes Mondays, Thursdays, Saturdays. Uh, it all doesn't matter. It's all good. The one and only Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. Dak, thanks so much for taking the time to join us at Blog on the Boys. Well, thank you for having me, RJ. How's your, uh, how's your day going? What'd you have for lunch? Uh, my day's going well. I had uh, smoked chicken wings, some rice, and uh, some salmon for lunch. So, and, and green beans, so very healthy. Okay. You um, uh, drums or flats guy? Oh, always flats. Oh, wow. Okay. So we, uh, we disagree, but you know, Hey, it, it is what it is. Um, I would you, like you, you've got to you gotta work harder with flats. That's true. Um, I know that you put in the work, um, Dak, I want to make this, uh, easy for you. So I want you to give me one thing that I'm not allowed to ask you about. Cause you get asked about some annoying things I imagine. So give me one thing and I promise you I won't touch it. Um, anything's open. Let's do it. You got, you got, you, you I'm mean, all yours. Look at that. All right. Embracing the challenge. Um, you know, you, you've always said that adversity is, is a privilege or, or pressure is a privilege. Excuse me. Um, people have said, Dak, that this offseason has been beneficial for you because you don't have the contract hanging over you. You don't have your, yourself coming back from injury. How much of that is real? Is, is that real that, that you feel that you don't have anything kind of to deal with some extracurricular thing? Or is it just another regular offseason that just doesn't happen to feature anything like that? Uh, I mean, it's definitely real. And uh, those are my words that this offseason, offseason, I could work on myself and work on my whole body and um, just my whole game and not necessarily focusing on just uh, the leg, which I had to do last offseason or maybe injuries before you, uh, different offseasons, you have to do that. So I was just able to focus on myself, uh, focus on throwing the ball and really uh, started training more functionally as a thrower. And it's just really paid off. And I'm feeling great headed into the camp. It's got to be nice not having people take awkward photos of your, your ankles and your feet, though, I'm sure. You know, it's a diff, you know weird spot for people to kind of focus on with their cameras and whatnot. But, um, so, so, but you know, it worked out last year with the new shoe deal and things like that. Um, you know, it was fortuitous timing in that sense. Um, exactly. this, is, this is year seven for you. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, you blink and it just kind of happens. Um, what, what feels the most different to you uh, compared to where you've been at this point in seasons past? Yeah, just understanding um, exactly my position and just knowing it's solidified as the quarterback of this team and the quarterback, uh, obviously, for the present and future. Um, so just knowing that, that, knowing the responsibilities and obligations that go with that and just trying to make sure my teammates understand that uh, my seven years has, went, has, has gone fast and there's what too. So we've got to go win and go win now. And our time's uh, 
our time's ticking. You've always connected with your teammates and you've always shared that with people. It's always been great to see the trips and things you guys do together. Where, where does this team feel different to you? And where does it feel better in 2022 than it was when last season ended? I mean, we're young. We're young and we've got um, a bunch of rookies and second year guys that are going to take a big leap. And I think when you have that, you've got guys um, ready and biting at the bit to make a play and make a name for themselves. And we got a lot of guys that will just because of that's their talent. That's the way they work. And that's the way they uh, attack the day. So I'm just excited to, uh, for these young guys to, to, to make a name for themselves and um, really help us out. Yeah, I asked you what you had for lunch a little while ago. One of my favorite stories you've ever told was about John Kitna's Golden Corral analogy and about how, you know, the, the whole premise behind that is kind of taking what, what you're given, you know, taking the chicken fried steak on the way to the prime rib. What what analogy would you say kind of encompasses your game right now? Is it still that Golden Corral idea? Like, what, where, where, where do you think you are as a passer, as a quarterback entering your seven? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's the same thing. Uh, I think it's the same thing and making sure that I tell other guys that as well. You know, as a young guy, um, you, you don't you're not necessarily you're always focusing on being a leader and being the best you can. But you haven't experienced the things to teach the guys uh, through your experience. So for me, it's about explaining to, uh, that to those guys. And another analogy I like to use is as a hitter, um, we're a home run hitter, but we're not chasing every pitch. You know, we're just waiting on our one pitch and going to make contact until we get that pitch that we're looking for. So I'll take what the defense gives me. If they give me the pitch I like, uh, yeah, I'm hitting it up. Yeah, I think that, you know, spreading that idea, that that philosophy uh, among people in life is just a good thing. Uh, you know, there's the, the low-hanging fruit is, is the easiest for a reason. Um, you know, but, um, Dak, what's your favorite TV show all time? All-time favorite TV show is probably SportsCenter. Not a big TV or movie guy, so um, I'm more of a live and live action and sports. So sports is one that I always grew up watching. Don't watch it too much now that I'm in the NFL, but when I grew up, uh, that was my that was the only thing I had on TV. That's awesome. That's a, a unique answer, uh, certainly. But hey, it's a show. It's on TV. It, it definitely counts. Um, in the spirit of that, I know you're here uh, with Direct TV. What does it mean to you to have been a part of the Direct TV family for so long? I mentioned you've been in the NFL forever. It feels like you've been with Direct TV forever too. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been with Direct TV for a while, and so um, it's it's great. Just as I said, watching Sports Center as a kid, watching all those uh, commercials, whether it be the Sunday Ticket or just um, Direct TV, um, you, you know, commercials, and then now just to be a part of it, and particularly to be a part of Direct TV stream, um, following athletes such as Serena Williams, Ken Griffey Jr., um, just for them to pick me in this campaign, uh, was great. And this one was was definitely special because I got to do it with CD, uh, so it was fun. Yeah, uh, I love the story about how you had CD's locker moved closer to yours. Um, when did you realize you had that kind of sway? Like, is it just, I'm, I'm the quarterback, I can kind of do what I want? I mean, not in an arrogant way, but, you know, what? at what point in your career was it that you felt like you could enact those sort of decisions? Uh, I mean, I don't know, pretty early. Um, as a rookie, I had a lot of a lot of vets um, tell me that, that I had that power, that I could do that. So for me, it was just about accepting that and understanding that people didn't see it as an arrogance and people, you know, wanted me to do that and respect me making those calls and making those decisions. So um, now it's not even a thought, you know, now it's about not second guessing yourself and making sure I really stand on what I believe and um, say what I say what I feel. 
That's awesome. Uh, I'm sure kind of, you know, getting the lay of the land early on helped with that. I mean, it's crazy to think that your era, by the way, coincides with the star, uh, you know, and I know you started off at Valley Ranch, but but the star has been the Dak Prescott era as far as the Dallas Cowboys are concerned. Um, on the subject of working with DirecTV, um, they've had some unique productions over the years. Uh, I guess productions is a loose term, um, loose way to put it. Uh, what was it like working with the housewives? I mean, that's a unique element and a unique twist in and of itself. Yeah, no, it was it was awesome. I was honestly one of the top top two commercials um, I've done. No, uh, no doubt about it. And from Directv to everybody on the set, but then just getting to work with, as I said, a teammate and then the real housewives, that was fun. Obviously, they enjoyed it. Um, just being able to play football and uh, tackle me and CD and uh, beat up on us. And uh, as you'll see, they just did a great job of merging the two. As so many viewers watch. NFL games. And then again, they watch housewives. I think it's going to come together great without giving you too much of what it is. You mentioned Serena and Ken Griffey. Those are really iconic athletes. How do you, how do you fit in with them in, in your mind? I mean, you know, again, they've accomplished so much and, and so have you, I mean, so early in your career. Um, do you talk to Ken Griffey about the, the hitting analogy maybe like, and you kind of look for advice that way? No, I haven't, I haven't gotten in contact uh, with Ken Griffey, but I'm sure him and Big Poppy could, uh, could relate to that. But for me, as I said, it's just humbling and a blessing for you to name those people and to know that I follow in their footsteps on this uh, direct TV stream campaign. But um, where, where I believe that uh, we're similar is in our minds, in our mindsets, in the way that we attack, obviously, our sports, but um, everything else. And they've had a lot of success. And those are people that I'm chasing, uh, chasing their success as well. You've been in the NFL for a long time, as mentioned, but it, it has gone by fast. And, and, you know, you're you're the one of those unique players that, that has, you know, obviously the injury two years ago, but started effectively every game of your NFL career. What what stadium have you not played in? Because there isn't a lot that you really want. To, like what venue are you looking forward to playing in eventually? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Because I missed that that uh, that that year, I feel like I missed three or four stadiums that I won't get again, uh, get again until probably four or five years. So. There's a few, honestly. There's a few. Uh, Baltimore, uh, Tennessee. We get to go to Tennessee this year. Um, as being a fan of the game, I mean, you want to see everyone's stadium. You want to see the way that their, their fans react and uh, just experience it at all. So I'm just excited anytime uh, we're stepping on the, we're stepping in the line. Tennessee, late in the season. Good thing you wear the sleeves. Going to keep you a little bit warm. Last thing for you, Dak, before you get exactly. you out of here. Uh, I know you won't make any kind of you know silly guarantees, but but if you had to come up with one word to define your approach to this season, what would that word be? Well, one word for my approach, mm -hmm. um, man, that, that, that's a great question to just to put in, to put in one word, but um, focused and, and just focused on everything. So many aspects, but more so focused on my teammates and our goals, making sure that our goals stay this, are aligned and make sure that we keep it with the forefront of our mind. And we focus each and every day about uh, what we want to do in the discipline and the small things. That's a great word. We'll slap it on some T-shirts, some tumblers. We'll call it a day, and we'll stay focused on uh, on your upcoming commercial with DirecTV Stream. Thanks a lot, Dak. Best of luck this season. Happy, uh, happy, uh, you know, day to you every single day, and uh, get some wings with. Try the drums next time. Uh, appreciate you, RJ. Thank you for having me. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. 
so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Stats, I know that you already listened to my interview with Dak Prescott. 100%. You've listened to every single word. You transcribed it all. So that being said, what was your favorite part of the interview? I like the part where Dak used a lot of cliches. He's he's very good at just making me feel calm and comfortable and using a bunch of cliches and getting through the interview. Uh, truth be told, um, you know, just this is how the sausage gets made. Stats has not listened to it in this moment, but he will listen to it. Stats has a big time interview himself coming up later today, by the way, that I'm excited to listen to. I don't know if you want to, you know, well, you posted about it. Yeah. So I don't have a problem. Adding, uh, Jerry Rice joining Rob Stats Guerrero over at Niners Nation. So uh, two equally goat players, Dak Prescott and oh, Jerry Rice. <laughs> it's a little so. weird. Like when you're I'm getting ready in the morning and I'm like, my hair is not looking good. Jerry Rice is going to see my hair today. Like I got to. Let me get the comb. Let me like, it's weird Stats. to think that. That is so silly because look, I know the podcast audience can't tell, but you never have a bad hair day. Ooh. Like I'm like, I, I give you a lot of crap for a lot of stuff. Like there's nothing bad ever with this head of hair here. I mean, it looks beautiful. Andrew Garfield would be so proud of you. Um, I asked Dak to, uh, if he had to describe his approach to this season in one word, what would that be? What would be the most cliche answer that you could think of without having listened uh, to it yet? Um, effort. I don't know. Focused. Oh, that God. was his. Uh, Thanks, Dak. <laughs> All right. Uh, can I go to the positive side of things? Because I've been in negative town. Well, it was your answer. So sure. Go two in a row, whatever. All right. Let me go to the positive side. And maybe this is going to hurt you as somebody that roots for the Cowboys. Uh, I thought Jalen Hurts looked pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. You know, I like what I'm seeing from him. Obviously, he's not going to be that good. But. I think that he's taken steps forward. I love all of his intangibles. So if he can get right on the field and, you know, take the next step as a passer, if I were you, I'd be a little worried about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I think that there are, and maybe this is a future episode of the look ahead. There are 
because you know when I look at the Cowboys, for example, like my job, there are several different forks in the road, like se- several players or several mo- like things that re- that represent forks in the road for the team. That's not to say that they're all on the same path, but like they could go down different sort of alternate timelines or realities based on certain players. And I think the NFL as a whole is similar in that sense. I think Mac Jones is a fork in the road player, right? Like if Mac Jones elevates himself this season, holy crap, watch out! <laughs> like it's a very different year. If Trey Lance elevates himself this season, you know he's another fork in the road player. Jalen hurts might be the biggest one like like if you're talking about ripple effects one way or the other if he does take a step if he does elevate his game from a passing perspective because we know he has everything else right like we, we know he can run we don't know how long that will last obviously is it you know it's not something that like sticks as players get older uh we know he has all the leadership qualities we know his team is forward thinking we know he, he has a supporting cast a surrounding cast around him we know he plays in a weak division in the weaker conference if he elevates his game from a passing standpoint yeah i mean and, and I, I think you know, what we're ultimately saying is what Eagles fans have said all offseason long. And I can tell you is, is one of the, you know, one of the the three legs of the NFC East mixtape tripod. Shout out to Rachel here, of course. Uh, I'm not fishing from MWP points, but um, a lot of Eagles fans that say, like, if the Eagles had Dak Prescott as their quarterback, they'd be Super Bowl favorites. And I think I think you can make that argument. Right. Like like that's I mean. You know what? I don't know how how good anybody believes Dak is top five, top seven, whatever. But if you put that quality quarterback on that team, if that's who Jalen Hurts is, yeah, watch out. It, I mean, I think AJ Brown is is his like just you know throw it at the wall receiver, right? Like it, I'm I, we're in the red zone, whatever. It's four, it's fourth and goal, it's third and goal. I'm just gonna throw it up. AJ's a magnet. He's gonna come down with it. That's a really valuable weapon that not a lot of teams have. Like it's not easy to be a physical monster. Devonte, if like that's the thing though, if he can master Devonte Smith the way that Josh Allen has mastered Stephon Diggs, if you can get your timing and your release and everything down to where you can hook up with him week in and week out that offense is I mean we know it it can run the ball very effectively based off of last year under Nick Sirianni Nick Sirianni also represents like kind of a baby fork in the road in that way I mean yeah I mean it was not the most fun thing in the world to see Jalen Hurts have a somewhat promising preseason game I mean six for six touchdown pass if you're a Cowboys fan that's the last thing you wanted to see right like you wanted Jalen Hurts to go out there and look like a chicken running around with his head cut off that's not what he looked like at all just so you know, I'm picking the Eagles to win the NFC East. I was picking them to win that are. before this preseason game was ever played. Yeah, so you're, you're basic. Sure. Kudos to Jalen Hurts. You should be worried. Cowboys not winning the NFC East. Just get ready for it. That's all I'm saying. Um, you went twice in a row, so I think I should go twice in a row. Fine. Um, so, but I've only done a positive so far, and it was so. Just to keep in mind. Your one of your bigger losers was my team, and one of in your only winner was my team's direct rival. Mm-hmm. So just to put in perspective how good of friends we are, my winner, my first one was your team. So again, like the balance of what's happening here, I just want aware, or I want people to be aware, be aware of when it comes down to comes down to comes down to time for MFWVP, uh, if I could lane that. But so time for two losers in a row. The first one, and it's I I feel bad like picking on them, but you mentioned the Eagles. It was that game, the New York Jets. Uh, Robert Sala, uh, man. And some of the loserness is not their fault. Like the Mackay Becton thing is not their fault. Even the Zach Wilson thing is not their fault. But Zach Wilson, what are you doing running? Like it's the game winning play of the Super Bowl here. Like, wh- why are you scrambling inbounds? I mean, like, and I know that some of that's hindsight stats, but I think some of it is fair. I mean, like, th- and I don't blame Zach for that. I blame Robert Sala. Like, you got to know. You got to know, like, dude, it's the first preseason game. You're coming back from an injury, you know, to a degree. Like, you cannot be out here wheeling and dealing like this. Like, you, you have there has to be a level of measured you know practicality with how risky you're going to be in the first 
preseason game and now we, we've there, there's this massive domino effect this isn't uh, this is different from a fork in the road so like the Jets season looks terrible right like the Jets <laughs> outside of the Cleveland Browns the Jets might be having the worst time right now in the NFL they're in line to start Joe Flacco in week one do you know who the Jets play in week one by the way uh not off the top of my head the Baltimore Ravens oh think sweet. about that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's so awkward and weird and kind of cool. But I mean, ultimately, and and I do, I don't like the the verbiage that's happening here with Zach Wilson. You know, well, we're, we're we're thinking two to four weeks, but they won't know until they get in there and they take a look at this meniscus. That does not scream. This is going to be two to four weeks to me. This feels like it feels like a left footed start. And so I I do blame the like the bad luck of it all like that's outside of the jets control some of it is just like they're the jets like this is just th these things happen to the jets right but some of it again is is controllable i think you can fight against that from a practical standpoint i think if you're robert Sala, you can say look zach nobody needs to go out here and play hero it's the preseason let's just go out let's let's complete a few passes let's dump them off let's get in get out and move on to next week i disagree with that i mean yeah, because you're caving for Robert Zach Sala, Wilson didn't get hurt because he took a hit. It was a non-contact injury. Yeah, because he cut back inside. Like, what are you doing? Oh, sorry, he Run can't make a bounds. cut not... on a football field. I mean, we we do this. Well, not on not hurt. in a week where there are sods that aren't up to snuff across the NFL. I mean, the just, same thing happened on. to Jimmy Garoppolo when he tore his ACL. People are like, "What are you doing, cutting back?" He's playing football. I mean, yeah, in the regular season, in the regular oh, season, I didn't know cuts happening. were not allowed in the preseason. Someone tell they shouldn't be. Why are you out there cutting in the open field if you're a starting quarterback on an NFL team? You don't need to be doing that in the preseason. Okay, that's crazy to me. It's is it bad luck? Yes. Are the Jets snake bit a hundred percent? Uh, but you're right about the effect that this could have, because if it is a more significant knee injury, I do feel like that could cause potentially the Jets to look for another quarterback like that changes the whole trajectory of things. And it's just what a terrible start. Right. The first is Mekhi Becton gets hurt. And then you're like, all right, well, they signed Dwayne Brown. That's that's a pretty good move. Right. You kind of mitigated that a little bit. But then for Zach Wilson to get hurt, and of course, for them to then insist that Joe Flacco is a starting quarterback. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not a starting quarterback. We all know he's not a starting quarterback. This isn't like the Rams with Kurt Warner, right? Nobody knew what Kurt Warner was. Right. We know what Joe Flacco is. We have seen enough Joe Flacco to know we have seen too much Joe Flacco. So it's just a yeah. terrible start for the Jets. I hope that, that Zach Wilson is okay. Uh, they sent him to sure. Dr. Neil Elitrash, who is the same guy that did Jimmy Garoppolo's knee injury and Nick Bosa's knee injury. And I think Tom Brady, when Tom Brady went down, but it is scary to hear them say, well, we think it's a meniscus, but we won't really know. See that to me is like insiders trying to cover their butts, right? They're trying to report what the injury is, but then they're also trying to make it that if it's not what they said, well, they were still right because they said, well, we won't know until he gets in there. Then don't tell me anything about the injury and just say, we won't know what it is until they open them up. I also think, like, because I I'm not a doctor, like, you're aware you're of not? what the worst case met. Well, no, unfortunately. So don't uh, heed the advice that I gave you previously about Got that it. thing that you asked me, that sensitive thing. Um, but um, <laughs> so, um, like, you have to be aware, like, or the Jets have to be aware, obviously, of the, like, worst case scenario here, right? Like, well, hey, we think it's this meniscus, it's two to four weeks, whatever, but it's possible, you know, however infinitesimally small the possibility is that it's this thing that would mean this, right? And so to me, I agree with you that it's like the covering of tracks, but I also think it's the buying of time. Say it's the like 
the oh no injury that takes him out for like three months, right? So this this buys the Jets time to figure out their plan, right? Like the Cleveland Browns are in this situation where um, you know they're thinking like, well, if Deshaun is suspended, we might trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because we think we have a functional roster to contend, you know, that Jimmy can can kind of oversee and steer the ship on. I don't think the Jets are in that boat. Like I I I know this is a weird spot for you because you're kind of looking for avenues as far or opportunities to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. You're not like rooting for anybody to get hurt. This would seemingly present an opportunity, but the Jets aren't in the same place as the Browns are. Um, They're certainly not in the same place morally uh, to tease a future loser. But these are the Jets. I I mentioned their first game stats. I just want to quickly. It's difficult if they're Zach Wilson list, even if they have Zach Wilson. I think you can make an argument that they might not get a win until week 12. Okay, so (laughs) hear me out. Um, So this this is just very quickly. Baltimore at home to start the season. At Cleveland, week two. Obviously, no Deshaun changes that calculus, but still. Cincinnati, at Pittsburgh, Miami, at Green Bay, at Denver, New England, Buffalo, bye, at New England, and then Chicago in week 12. Could you not see them losing every single one of those games? Yeah, if they won one, I'd be surprised. Right. If you flip right, it around, like, you're like, they didn't lose all those games. I'd be like, damn, really? Which one? Did they, who did they beat? You can you can argue like Miami. Maybe we don't know exactly how that's going to look. We don't know what Pittsburgh's going to look like, whatever right. things like that. But like if we're talking like benefit of the doubt and stuff, I mean, it's it's not like snake bit, whatever. Um, yeah, not a not a good time. But um, are you ready to move on? Yeah. I have a few more. OK, I've got another um, one, too. Lose- Okay, well, I was I was gonna get to go twice in a yes, row, yes, so yes. you already like ruined that. Um, so I think we can agree very quickly. Uh, loser Joel Batonio in the Cleveland Browns, right? Uh, like we, you know, we don't need to spend a lot of time on that. Um, I don't think we want to spend a lot of time we'll on this. Tell but people what was why exact... we're citing? Yeah, well, I know, but um, I you're gonna, I know you're gonna pull up the exact quote. Yeah. But, um, the Cle- the Cleveland Browns visited the Jacksonville Jaguars for their preseason opener. They were booed relentlessly, as you can imagine. Um, and Joel Petonio gave an interview. I don't know exactly with who. That's why Stats is checking this. Um, and and said that, yeah, that's going to be the case this year. It's Cleveland against the world, uh, which was really, really tone deaf. Like, really, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's possible to, to acknowledge that you're going to be booed wherever you go without being like, can you believe the whole world is uniting against us? What a bunch of villains that, that are out there that fill this world. I mean, it was just a really, really, I, I, I tweeted this one when, I, when the story came out. Anytime any person associated with the Browns has spoken about this, they have made this worse. This is not a difficult situation to navigate. Like Joel Batonio could have said, obviously, we're expecting that. It's something that we need to prepare for and we have to be ready to right, deal totally. with. Totally. But instead, he tried to flip it around and make the Browns victims. And when you sign a serial sexual predator to be the face of your franchise and you give him the biggest quarterback contract and you fully guarantee it, you are not the victim. You have done this to yourself. And it's just so tone deaf. When people say it's us against the world, usually it's because like people don't think you're very good. Like it's usually undue criticism that you're talking about. It's not criticism you get from signing Deshaun Watson to play quarterback. And people are going to be upset about that. This just in Joel, we don't want criminals to be quarterbacks. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. And don't give me, miss me with that. Two grand juries didn't decide to move forward with the case. Garbage. Okay. It is garbage. And yeah, you deserve every boo you get. And I'm sorry. I hope the Browns lose every single game, every single game, because they chose this path. That might be one of the wins that the Jets pick up. Uh, <laughs> there on. you go. Um, but 
uh, before my other loser, I just wanted to say I haven't read Football Morning in America yet. We started this a little bit earlier uh, than usual, but uh, I just saw this tweet. Peter King said in Football Morning in America, I think only one thing in the preseason meant anything much this weekend. 17 penalties by the Cowboys. Like, that's the, I mean, whatever. Anyway, uh, my other loser, uh, we don't, again, like, we're kind of up against it, so we'll just kind of blitz through these. The Indianapolis Colts first team offense. It takes me no joy, stats, to report that the Colts got worked by Buffalo's second string. I would actually just say the Colts in general, because they got worked by Case Keenum. Like, they they, <laughs> they they got worked in every sense. And this wasn't like, you know, the, the Colts just trotted out Nick Foles out there the whole, entire time. Like, their first team offense did not look great. And is that, is that like a, a death sentence for them? No, it's the preseason. All that context matters. It was not a good look, though. It's also not a good look for Nick Foles to not look great because all similar to Carson Wentz. Oh, he's reunited with Frank Reich. Watch out now. Nick Foles under the, the impressive leadership and tutelage of the almighty Frank Reich. No, like I'm so sick of these Colts narratives and like. They're, they've made themselves victims in very different ways than, than the Browns have, obviously. And I'm sick of it. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you, Bills. My AFC. I know I've had some, some issues with the Bills too. That's what happens when you love somebody. Stats. You, you know, you go through. You, know, you got, you got to be able to love somebody to be able, you know, to kind of work through that. And I love the Bills, and I'm so happy that they embarrassed those frauds up in Indianapolis. I think it, you do take a little bit of pleasure in that. It sounds like you certainly do. <laughs> uh, but Matt Ryan played into the second quarter. This is Matt Ryan. This is not his rookie year. Playing into the second quarter in the first preseason game was a little surprising, but I agree with you, right? The last two quarterbacks, oh, Foles and Reich, they were supposed to be reunited, uh, Foles and Wentz, excuse me. They're supposed to be reunited with Frank Reich, and neither one of them has looked great. And it's like, well, maybe Frank Reich is the problem. Maybe the problem isn't the quarterbacks that he's bringing in. Maybe it's him. So I agree. Not a good look. And uh, stock down Colts. I don't think it's uh, like the problem's him. I think he had two, like, hits right like he had two amazing songs and it's like that's all he does he goes on tour and but he's like playing the new stuff and it doesn't work and people are like you know come on come on play play if this is it Huey come on you know what I mean like just play the hits and he's trying to tell people well you know it, it actually reminds me of the Cowboys like anytime Jerry Jones speaks these days he has to make some quip or some joke or, or tie it in to be like oh you know Michael Irvin back in the night it's like nobody cares at this point Frank <laughs> you know what I mean like it, you had success with these dudes five years ago move on we all have you cannot ride he's actually think about that nobody has ridden the coattails of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles more than Frank Reich over the last five years yeah even more than Doug Peterson I just think it's interesting that you had the opportunity to go to any musical artist for your analogy and the artist you I know went I really to was Huey Lewis I I feel really badly because Huey Lewis doesn't have like two hits. He has a lot of bangers. Right. So, like I, mean, I, I thought feel, you, I feel bad that I lumped Huey in that mix. Yeah. Man, I thought you were gonna go like Ricky Martin or like you went <laughs> top. She of bangs, she bangs. <laughs> oh baby, when she moves. All right. Yeah. I know we right. gotta get to the MF double MVP real quick. I do want to give a little bit of love to Romeo Dobbs, who was hyped up by Aaron Rodgers. For mm. somebody playing in a preseason game, I felt like there was a lot of expectation for him because of the comments that Aaron Rodgers has made. We've all talked about, you know, what are the Packers going to do at wide receiver? Devontae Adams isn't there anymore. Then Rodgers comes out specifically and says, this Romeo Dobbs guy is pretty good. And guess what? He was. He caught a long touchdown pass uh, from Jordan Love. He should have had more. He was blowing by 49ers players in the secondary all night long. Love actually missed him on a couple of plays where he was wide freaking open. 
if he'd caught those balls, we he'd have like, you know, over a hundred yards or something close to it, multiple touchdowns. He would be the headline for the Packers. Like, Hey, they're good now. Right. Aaron Rodgers, talk this guy up. He's really good. So he deserves a lot of love because he looked as good as uh, we've come to expect. Stock up in general for the Packers. Uh, Christian Watson activated off the pup list or second round rookie. So like things are kind of, you know, looking what, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just, been through so much adversity you know what i mean it's nice to see him finally uh you know coming up uh on on the sunny side of things uh my absolute last one then we go to the mfwp is a winner and a loser in in a weird way um kind of a it's a sense appropriate one to end on and not really a loser kind of losing in a winning way uh mike tomlin and the pittsburgh steelers in the sense that they got no clarity on their quarterback situation because they all played well. I, I mean, like I can't think of a scenario where that's been the case. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that like the the situation was muddied. Uh, but Mitchell Trubisky starts off four of seven, 63 yards, throws a touchdown. Okay, cool. You know, you're kind of thinking like, well, Mitch just kind of proved he's the guy. Mason Rudolph comes in nine of 15, 93 yards, hits Ken, uh, uh, Kenny Pickett, hits um, uh, Pickens. Goodness gracious. Uh, uh, Pickens, George thank you, George Pickens, Pickens uh, for the touchdown. So he not only scores, but lights up the the young, you know, rookie receiver that everybody's excited about. So you got that juice coming in. Okay, Kenny Pickett, we've seen what we've seen from, from Trubisky. Even Mason Rudolph had a nice day, but, you know, it's difficult to kind of top this. Comes in 13 of 15, 95 yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner so you're you're kind of like it's it's a fun time i i have to imagine there's so much fun to be a steelers fan it's a very different thing than you've just kind of been stuck in for a very long time um and so that's got to be cool um you know so a winner ultimately a winner but loser in that it, it's it's hard to narrow this down i mean maybe you don't think it's hard three quarterbacks played for the steelers all three had a quarterback rating over 100 so that's good for that and honestly like i feel like they all needed to do that because i still maintain that if jimmy garoppolo is released i don't put it past the steelers to make a move for him and so if you're one of those three quarterbacks on the roster right now you want to make your case that you should not be the guy cut to bring in jimmy garoppolo so good job by the steelers you know i don't think anybody expected anything out of kenny pickett so i'm sure he was like yeah look Turns out I'm good. Everyone's making fun of me for the gloves and whatever. I don't suck, okay? I'm pretty good, and I was drafted in the first round. I was the only quarterback drafted in the first round, and I'm going to show you why. Um, I just wanted to add to finish here. Um, the NBC Sports Edge team does a great job with their little blurbs on players, and this was their write-up on Mitchell Trubisky. Um, the caption was, Trubisky started the Steelers' first preseason game Saturday and completed four or seven passes for 63 yards and one touchdown. Then the blurb, the first sentence says, he added a four-yard rush and showed more mobility than Ben Roethlisberger pretty much ever had under center for the Steelers. Uh, so, I mean, again, like, I, it just has to, it's so rare that, like, things are only fun, that the vibes are only good. And if you're a Steelers fan, I mean, if you look from, like, a competitive standpoint, right now the Ravens are in this weird, you know, kind of mix, and, and obviously they're still a threat. Yeah, the Bengals are there, but if you're a Steelers fan, you're like, they're the Bengals. Like, they're going to figure out a way to be the Bengals, ultimately, when it's all said and done. The Browns can't get it out of their own way. Joel Batonio is the latest person to stick his foot in his mouth. And you've got, like, this fun debate. It's not even, it's not, like, sometimes quarterback debates can get toxic. You know that, Jimmy G, Trey Lance, I tell you, Romo, Dak, like, it can be not fun. This is all fun. It's not like there's a sense of loyalty to Trubisky the way, you know, there was for Jimmy or Romo, whatever the case may be. Good times uh, if you're a Steelers fan. But good times here on the MF. Um, well, not the MF. On MFM, Monday Football Monday, it is now time to award the MF double MVP. Rachelle, as you come in, I read this review on the look ahead on Friday. Uh, Kolbs underscore the artist formerly known as Big Pig uh, made a plea 
to award uh, the NFW MVP to the SB Nation NFL show audience. So I guess they're technically eligible. You've never gone that route. Um, but again, it's your award. You are eligible, as always, to give it to anybody who appeared on the show, which includes the three of us and Dak Prescott. So it's up to you, Rachel. Um, how do you feel? What was your favorite takeaway from what we had to say? The floor is yours. Hello, everybody. Um, two takeaways from both of you guys that I thought were really strong. RJ, I loved your point on Mike Tomlin, how that was kind of like a winner and a loser. That was really good. Also, Bettino, how he was a loser because of his comment. That was my favorite. He's the biggest loser, yeah. The biggest loser by far. Um, stats, I liked, of course, the point on the Cowboys penalties. I thought that that was really strong. You got to mention that, duh. And... Um, I also really like the organiz like the the Chicago Bears organization and the argument you came in really really strong about the uh, Soldier Field. I thought that was two good. for me, RJ. Two, I got two. Two, two. Um, I, got, I got two as well. Stats. I mean, I had I had two that I wanted to say. They're both positive. But of I course, that the rookie quarterbacks that could be like it fall in the winners category. I thought they all looked really promising for the most part. Um, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell looked really good. Commanders and Kenny Pickett, you already touched on for the Steelers. And I also thought I said a tight end for the Ravens, Isaiah Likely. I thought that mm -hmm. with the Super fast. situation right now, um, the receiver core is not like a, a bright spot. So it looks like the Ravens are definitely going to be leaning on like their tight ends right now. And to see him coming in as like a a, a pretty fast, big body receiver, I think that that's promising for the Ravens. So. The time has come. I'm going to give it to stats today. Yo, let's go. Uh, <laughs> I think you did come a really on. good job. So, yeah. Every time I'm on this show, I win this. So do you have like an MF double MVP standings? Because I think I'm at the top and I'm not even a regular host. And I think Michelle. I really like, no, I, li I really like how you guys went back and forth with the Mike McCarthy point. So, yeah. So one of Stats' best points was something I helped him with? That doesn't make sense. Oh, please. I mean, <laughs> uh, if anybody's carrying anybody, it's me carrying you. And I'm 140 pounds, so that's not easy. Right. Rachel, I don't know if you realize. You also get, get the pen RJ for the interview. I mean, everybody listened to the interview. I know, Rachel, but now you gave Stats the award in an episode where he competed with Dak Prescott. So now Stats can forever say that he beat out Dak. Why would you do this to me, Rachel? We're supposed to be friends. We are friends. All I'm saying, RJ, every time I'm on the show, I win the award. Like, you just want to rename it the Stats Guerrera MVP award? Dang. So now it's Stats Guerrera. We're going legal last name, but nickname in the front. Make yep. up your mind. You can't be two things, all right? I'm the MF double MVP. I can do whatever I want, buddy. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow, Rachel. Um, Thank you. Wow. You're welcome. I hope everybody has a, a great day. I hope Rachel has the best day because I want to I want to return hate with love. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. Um, stats, I hope, you know, congratulations, stats. Well earned, well time. fought. Um, you um you you deserve all your flowers. What's your favorite kind of flower? What? My favorite kind of flower? Yeah, what's your favorite kind of flower? I don't have a favorite Dandelion, flower. Daffodil, Dandelion daffodil. Dandelion is tulip. a weed. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty to look at. I don't um, have okay, a let's get out of here. As as we get out of here, stats as the MFWP, I do this sometimes on blogging the boys roundtables. Make a random noise as we leave. Just a random noise, not a not a word, not not something normal that humans hear. Make a random noise. Go. 
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.